Hallelujah. Well, Kylan just had two people call into uh, live streaming. They said they were backsliders. They wanted to call and talk to somebody to give their life to Jesus. So uh, that's, that's good. Hallelujah. Praise God. You never know. You never know what's happening. We go all over the world. You know, we run into these people saying, oh, we watch uh, your prayer table every day and all that. And it's just amazing how many lives that are just being touched uh, all around the world. And then I didn't find it, but somebody found this cell phone. The phone number is 419-378-0773. Anybody lose a cell phone? Well, I didn't either. Hallelujah. All right, it's going to be up here. Here, David, can you, you know what to do with it? Okay, put in off a sell it. $30. No, we're kidding. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Ephesians 3.14. We have been talking about what we use our faith for, and we used it for, we discovered out of Second Peter, we use it for life and godliness. Life is temporal and has promise just a provision. But in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, it tells us that godliness, in other words, all the promises of God tend to two things in a believer's life, that he might live by faith, experience the zoe, life of God, and that we can use the promises of God to produce godliness, holiness, and purity in our life. Remember, the Word of God is filled with God's desire to do for us what we can't do on our own. It's called grace. And we know that grace doesn't promote lackadaisicalness or passivity or lukewarmness or stupidity. Amen. The grace of God, the gospel, has come to us in truth with godliness. And you ought to live right if you're saved. And if you want to live like a devil, then go serve the devil. Amen. I'm not being mean to you. I'm just telling you that that's the way that it is. You can't be lukewarm. God knows if you are, and he knows if you're a hypocrite. Amen. Just face yourself. Become one thing or the other. All right. And uh, I know already you visitors are saying, oh, my God, is this the right church? Yep, this is the right church. All right. Now, we're going to talk about using your faith. We have a declaration here that we welcome you to our family of faith. And when we think about using our faith, we really don't think about faith being applied to our families except by the restrained mind that says, bless me, my wife, and our two kids Bless us for and no more. Most people are, well, I'm not even going to say most people. 90% of the church is not really advancing their children by faith. They advance them in multitudes of other things, which is great. But those things do not produce eternal life. And so I'm going to talk to you today and in the next couple of weeks about using your faith for your family. 
and I'm talking about your children, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your aunts, your uncles. Because if I took a toll right now, most people, most of their family is backslid and we're doing nothing about it. Or they have never been saved and we're doing nothing about it. Well, you know they know. Well, why does a man know and not accept Christ? There, there are purposes laid out in the Bible, but the reason that we have found those purposes is because it doesn't affect us for it just affects the other people. And so we really don't care about Aunt Cadiddle and Uncle Jojo and their kids and their nieces and nephews. Just as long ours is in the ark is about all that we care about. And the problem is when we know to do good and do it not, it is just a blatant sin, according to James. When you have the key from God to set the captive free and you don't do it, there is blood on your hands. There is responsibility with power. And you may not feel that you have power. You have power. So we're going to talk about using your faith for your family. And so let, let's just make a couple statements. Jesus did not come to the earth to destroy man's life. He came to the earth to what? Who are we supposed to be followers of? Mm -hmm. So what did he teach us? We ought to be saviors. Amen. Yep. Matthew 11, it says that the Son of Man did not come to destroy life, but he came to redeem it, to save it. Now, Ephesians 3, 14 through 15. This, For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. Now, Paul establishes that we have a family. We are part of a family. He establishes that many of the members of family, of our family, are in heaven. And then the rest of them are here on earth. Talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Talks about those that have preceded us in death. And it talks about those that are alive right here. God is the father of them. And Paul has designed to us that God is the father of a family. Could I get an amen? All right. And then if we go to Galatians 1, 4 through 6, this may really open our eyes to some of the great depths of yearning of our heavenly father that we may not have recognized before. Talking about Jesus who gave himself for our sins, that he... No, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I gave you a wrong reference. It's Galatians 4, 1 through 6. Galatians 4, 1 through 6. There you go. And now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time of appointed of the father. Now the tutor and the governors were the law. 
the laws instructed us and governed our life until we came to Christ. It was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because we could not be saved by works. And then it says, even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, notice what God says here. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, so that we might receive what? The what? Do you understand that God sent forth his son for the sole purpose to create a family? Jesus came by faith. He died by faith. God raised him by his faith and also raised us in figure form and seated us in heavenly places. Notice that the Bible says God did that in order to set in the adoption process that you and I could be a part of God's family. We are born twice. We are born from the earth, but we are also born from heaven. Now, then let's go to Hebrews 2.10. Now, remember that Jesus came. Well, he came to bless us. You're absolutely right. But the entirety of all that God did began with the family and the adoption of Gentiles into the family of faith. And then it says, Hebrews 2.10 says, For it became him for whom all are all of things, and by whom are all things, to in bringing many sons, bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. You and I are a byproduct of his suffering for our transgressions. We are the sons and daughters of God. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. I know these are a lot of scriptures. I never get tired of reading the Bible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says this. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, we're not servants. We're not slaves. We're, we're not lorded over. We're not in bondage. We are people of God's family. We are people of God's family. How did God build the family? He built it by faith. He built it through Christ. Jesus lived a life of faith, spotless, blameless. He died in faith, and then God raised him by his faith. And then it says this, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now, now, somebody say now. Now we are the sons of God. Can you hear God echoing? Echoing. I desire children. I desire intimacy. I desire all flaws 
to come to me that I can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Why does a man want a family? Because of intimacy. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we do know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall be, see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Notice that things will not keep your pure purity. Things won't not keep you holy. Things won't keep you righteous. The hope of sonship keeps man from contaminating himself. There's nothing like changing breath with God in fellowship. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, faith is to be used to build families. To build families. Now, most of us don't use faith for that. We use it for things and, you know, bless, you know, watch over my kids. They're devils, but help them anyway. And, uh, you know, we all understand that. But what we have to understand is that God gave us faith to build families. Can you go to Galatians 4, 19 through 20? The reason I'm showing these because there are a lot of these in the Scripture that we never look at. And we never examine, so we never really hear what God's saying. Now, remember that Paul is a missionary to the world. He is a prophet. He's an apostle. He's a teacher. He has been sent out by the church of Jerusalem in Acts 13. And he has been sent out, and he's going about really led of God into cities that are filled with adulteries and, and idolatry and fornicators and unclean Gentiles, people that hate God, hate Jews. We've got some of them in Washington. And, uh, you know, yet he comes, and he comes to Galatia. Now, he comes to this city filled with idolatry. They know nothing about Jesus. They're, they're as stone crazy as we were when we were sinners. But Paul just doesn't say, quote, unquote, like the 21st century Christian. Well, you know, they're just a bunch of devils. And move on down the road. He doesn't say, boy, you know, they're just into everything. Move on down the road. The church has got a mentality that we are looking for the weakest people on earth because we're afraid of people that are strong, rich, and influential because they might intimidate us. We are never intimidated by the gospel or by the people that need it. Now, Paul comes into this city and people would say, well, you know, they got drugs down there and they got, oh, that's just who we're looking for. Don't you remember you were like that? Oh, I was never on drugs. Oh, so you were a good sinner headed for hell. You weren't any better than anybody else. But this attitude that we are defeated because somebody doesn't need Jesus to fix a broken life is wrong. 
Every life that does not know Christ is broken. But Paul comes to Galatians, the Galatians, and you know what? He doesn't just pass through looking for something easier. No, Paul does this. My little children, these are not offsprings of a union with a natural woman. This is the offspring of the seed of the Holy Ghost, the Word of God that endureth and abideth forever. He says, my little children, these don't belong to the neighborhood. They don't belong to the orphanage. They belong to Paul. Why? Because Paul understands that he has faith, and his faith is to be used to build a family in the kingdom. Because the kingdom started out with two people creating families, replenishing to the earth, and that is the purpose of the gospel. That is the purpose of reconciliation. And then he says this, Of whom I travail in birth again, again, until Christ be formed in you. In other words, it cost Paul something to travail for people to get them born again. So what Paul is telling us is this. Stop looking at people's influence, their suits, how much they cost, the cars they drive, the occupations they have. Because it doesn't matter. If they're in sin, they're bound and they need hope. And you're not going to be able to sweet talk them. You're not going to be able to connect with them. You're not going to be able to compromise with them. They're going to need a run-in with God in order to really be changed. And Paul says, but I seen the city of Galatians as an opportunity to unleash God in his greatest demonstration of grace, salvation for a sinner. That should tell us why even our natural children are probably the way they are is because there has been no travail. The reason that many of us don't have children in the faith, we just don't want to go to the agonizing pains of fighting for a lost soul. And then look at verse 20. And I desire to be present with you now to change my voice. I stand in doubt of you. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 4.14. And I'm just throwing these out so then we're going to get into the scriptures. I'm just either making you mad or glad or whatever. I'll tell you what, I'm losing entirely too much weight. David, you could get in. Well, no, you couldn't. I was going to say, you could get in here with me. All right, now look. It says this. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons. Notice that Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. They are nobody's sons but his. He has sown the seed. He has incubated it by faith and by prayer. He's been rejected. He's had tribulation, persecutions in this church. Most of the church hates Paul because he says, how is it I, I give you love and correct you, and the more I correct you, you hate me more. 
And it says this, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Next verse. For those, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, this is a Christian TBN back there in Jerusalem, a thou, 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many, what? Fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. I have begotten you. Let me ask you something. How big is your family because of your faith? I didn't say how many natural children you have. How many children have you brought to the orphanage, be washed in the blood, and adopted by God? How many sons and daughters have you? Well, our, our, our four no more. Yeah. There's a problem. Now, this problem comes out of, remember, the seven love factors of man that we talked about last week. The last love factor is the love for the sinner or the love for the world. And that's where we engraft people into the kingdom or into the family of faith is from the world. Paul says this to Timothy. Unto Timothy, my son in the faith. My son in the faith. We are to be family builders. Now Philemon 1.15 says that uh, he sends Philemon back and he says, because he was one of you, but now he is one of you because he's born again. In other words, he was born in the region, but then he goes out, meets God, and comes back empowered by God to be a part of another family. He was a family of the natural, but he was a family of the spirit. And every man and woman should be both. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. Praise God. And so, Paul speaks to us that we are to be family builders. But understand this. Families take effort. They take investment. They take time. And they're filled with struggles. Somebody said, oh, we've got a perfect family. Where are they? They live in another country. That's the only way you've got a perfect family. God gave you children because he believed in you, empowered you with faith, empowered you with scripture, empowered you with authority to keep that family, to present that family to him as an arrow leaving a bow. And many of us have done nothing with our children except tell people how bad they are and what they're into, which doesn't mean a hill of beans when you realize that you as a Christian can transform the landscape of the world and get answers from heaven. Now, I'm going to say this, and, and don't get mad because I don't know what children are saved or not. But if your children are lost, you got one purpose in, in life. You better get them back. Because God gave them to you as his property, and he's going to ask, them, ask for them when you get in front of him. They don't belong to you. They were given to you to raise up. They are the property of God. Okay. Now... 
Let's go to whew, uh, Matthew 4, 17 through 19. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not trying to be hard, but I do want you to realize that God has expectancies from you. If he gives you seed, he expects you to sow whatever seed needs to be sown, where it needs to be sown, to get the results that he wants to get. And it says, Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting out a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What was Jesus' intent in calling these disciples to himself? To be family makers. I will make you fishers of men. Now, what was Jesus' overall purpose? Want to make them rich and, and, and give them two boats and four uh, chariots, really. Well, Jesus said, I got one purpose for you boys. I want to make you fishers of men. I want you to bring people into my kingdom and into my house. I want you to make them my brothers. Is that what it said? Now, the Bible tells us that we are to go into the world and make disciples of everybody, of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. But how do we make disciples? Do we make them based on seven steps to a good discipleship? Or are we supposed to engraft them into the kingdom of God? And into father and son relationships. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus says, follow me, I will make you. Could have given amen. Yep, hallelujah. And so when the Bible tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, what's Jesus saying to us? Go Find the lost, bring them to the adoption agency, and get them into the family of God. That's before laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Our primary goal is to bring people into the kingdom of God and to build a family of faith. That is our job. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, I'm just not going to do that. Well, Katie, bar the door. You do whatever you want to do. It's my job to tell you. And if you reject me, you just reject Jesus. Oh, my God, you're making yourself something. Stop it. I'm preaching to you just what Jesus said, and it's as simple as a booger hanging on your nose. And you just want to go away and act like it's not there. No, it is there. Now, I'm telling you, how to use your faith. And a wise man wins souls, and a foolish man doesn't care a hoot about them. Now, again, I'm not, being, I'm not being mean. What I'm telling you is this. You have been given faith for something other than just to be blessed. Come on. 
You have been given faith to go to the world and make sons and daughters for the kingdom. Sons and daughters to the kingdom. You are the greatest equipped generation that has ever been on planet earth. Yet we are the most inactive generation in the world. We are intimidated by Facebook. We are intimidated by Twitter. We are intimidated by Gitter, Witter, Water, Winner. We're, we're intimidated by people that oppose us. We are afraid that we don't have answers. We don't have to have all answers. All we have to do is have a statement of what we believe. Now, in a We have to understand that everybody needs to be in the family of God. Now, the problem is not the sinner. The problem is not the sinner. The sinner is not your problem. The devil is your problem. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We know that. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 4, and 5 says that the God of this world hath blinded them. Least they see the glorious gospel and be saved. So you could preach all you wanted. You could throw popcorn up for him to catch with his mouth. But if he's blind, he's going to starve to death before he ever catches one, right? So you're going to have to, as a believer, you're going to have to deal with the spirit that has taken this world captive. Your children are taken captive. Oh, no, no, they got on drugs. That, that is a byproduct. Yeah, but drugs are a problem. No, sin is the problem. And the devil binding and blinding them is the problem. If they could see the goodness of God, it'll bring them to repentance. But nobody sees goodness. Nobody, it's like the world is blinded to goodness. But... If we are going to deal with people that are lost and that need to be brought into the family of God. I don't know about you. I'm glad that I got adopted. I'm glad that I came to Christ. Aren't you, bud? Absolutely. Bud, you were knocking on doors and ran into Mary Lou. Brought her to church. Got her cleaned up, polished up. Oh, she done that, yeah. <laughs> then her family, then you married her. So in other words, you ate the fruit of your labor. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but what if he had knocked on the door? Is Michael Roebuck here? He, he, uh, the, his uh, wife got uh, saved. 
And then he said, Pastor, I, I feel led of God to go down there and have a Bible study. I said, you, you, you think that maybe her being a blonde and tall and slim has anything to do with it? Oh, no, no. I just want God's will. That little liar. Buddy, about three months later, he married her. He just stole her. I'll tell you what. Anyway, now, you have power. Somebody say, I have power. You can use your authority According to Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse 11, 12, 13, says whatever you bind on earth can be bound. Whatever you loose on earth can be loosed. And you can bind blindness over an individual's life. Now, if you don't deal with that spirit, you're always going to be running into him. Now, when you start dealing with a spirit like that, you have got to be dedicated to the person you're wanting in the family because it may not happen the first 30 days 60 days 90 days might not happen for a year two years I don't know but I do know this that God is faithful and he's not going to fail you and so if we can take authority over that and bind that spirit from manipulating that individual. Amen. They will see it. You say, well, I tried that once and it didn't work. No, no. You want to do it. And then you constantly want to reinforce his powerlessness over that individual. Every time you think of that individual, you remind the devil. You lost your power over him because I broke it. Amen. Now, you know what? He is seeing Jesus and his goodness. And you start speaking things like, you know, God, I want to thank you that Jojo has made you the Lord of his life. Speak things that are not as though they are. I want to thank you, God. He's discovered the goodness that you gave him on the cross. I want to thank you, God, that Jojo has discovered that Jesus died for his sin. I want to thank you, God, that you're speaking to Jojo in dreams. I want to thank you, God, that you are erupting him and drawing him towards you. That you're showing him how empty man is without Christ in the center of it. I want to thank you, God, that the enemy has lost his hold on Jojo and that you are piercing Jojo's heart and there he's crying out, what must I do to be saved? I thank you, God, that the devil is not greater than the name of Jesus Christ. Stop looking at what Jojo's doing and start declaring what you have done and what God will do in Jojo's life. And get set that if you want somebody in a family, who here has adopted somebody? Joe, Joe and Tammy, you've adopted. You adopted from China. All right. How long did it take you? Three years. Now, you already had kids. So you know they were going to come and puke all over everything, tear everything up, break everything, stain your clothes, stink your house up, wreck your car, and take all your money. And when they go, they say, bye, Mom and Dad. Then they go away, get married, and bring a whole bunch of new litter of heathens right back into your house. Now, now you knew that. And you went and you spent three years 
How much money? Twenty. How much? That's a boat. That's a nice sports car. Gun. You weighed all that out. You guys need help. Who would have kids and pay that much for them? How much did yours cost? They were free, weren't they? Yeah. The promise of free. $25,000 and three years later, you redeemed her from China, which people don't, lots of people don't know what happens to girls in China and all that kind of stuff, but you redeemed her. Your life was already set. Your kids were pretty well. Thank God and Greyhounds are gone, right? And so you bring in this whole another set of responsibility. But it took you three years and $25,000. Was it worth it? Absolutely worth every penny. We can redeem people by authority and by faith. Sometimes we care for natural things far better than we do eternal things. That little girl may have survived in China, but no person that goes unadopted of the people in your life are going to escape hell. They aren't going to do it. How much would a man give for his soul? We need to pray for people. Could it get an amen? All right, so we want to take care of the devil. Somebody say, take care of the devil. The second thing we want to do is we want to make sure that we put truth in them. Not criticism, not telling them what they're doing or not doing. You know, I've heard people say, well, they're going to go to hell. They're sleeping around on their wife. Well, that won't send you to hell. (laughs) All these Christians are going, oh, really? (laughs) No. Not having Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life will send you to an eternal hell. And if you make him Lord of his life, you aren't going to commit fornication. Amen. Amen. And so we want to make sure that the truth will set them free. Just tell them the truth. Well, well, don't they have to live? No. They don't have to live by the laws of God until they're in the family of God. Just tell them about the goodness of God. Tell them about the blood of Jesus. Don't argue doctrine with them. How do they don't know about doctrine? They don't know what they are supposed to do, not to do. Well, do you ever pray? Well, you know, you ought to pray. God wants us to pray. No, the Bible says God, and now we know God hears not sinners. Don't deceive them. He's not going to hear them. Come on. We, we tell them all these things, and half of what we're preaching to them is not even true. Just tell them the gospel. The good news. Amen. Amen. The good news. Don't promise them anything. Oh, God will prosper you and God will get you a house and and God will heal your marriage. 
Well, he will if your wife wants it healed. He will if the guy's not a stiff neck. But you have no guarantee that God's going to heal somebody's marriage. No. If my wife left me, I'd wonder just how much or how enthused I'd be to fight to get her back. Why would I want her back if she went down the road? Well, because God hates divorce. Well, I know it, but she made a choice to do it. He ain't mad at me. But the love of Christ abides in you. What's that got to do with it? I love Jesus. I didn't say I'm still going to love her. Just think, options to get a good cook. <laughs> to get a woman that's not half Indian, half hillbilly. To get a woman that listens soundly with mercy and compassion. I just heard that over there. Marshall just said, they don't make them like that. <laughs> okay. Well, I could dream. <laughs> All right. The other thing is this. Don't be afraid of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. You don't have to convince people to be saved. Don't convince people to believe. Don't convince people to try Jesus. If they want to come into the family, you do what God tells you to do. Deal with the devil. Sow seeds of truth. And if they will open their lives and they see the goodness of God and accept the opportunity, they'll be saved. You do your part, God will do his part. Amen? Now, how are we going to do that? Somebody has to preach to them. They have to have the truth. And again, preach the truth. Don't preach a bunch of doctrine. Just preach the cross. It's powerful enough to do it. And then live the life. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 says that you are our epistles, read, seen, and read of all men. You know, your life is a living Bible. Live the life. Don't get around people and talk about everybody, complain about your work. And 